You're listening to Radio Influence. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys? I, uh, uh, I, I took a week off last week because I, uh, I needed a break. You know, I needed to kind of start over, do a little refresh. Um, had a, uh, you know, you remember hearing me talk with Megan about uh, heading out to uh, the Pacific Northwest and all the stuff that happened out there was just unbelievable. I have to give a shout out again to Lone Wolf Harley, Harley Davidson. And um, I have to say that Crave Northwest just did an amazing job. It's just so welcoming the entire uh, area from Spokane up into North Idaho and over at the Hot Springs and um, all the way back up into, uh, up in, uh, I'm sorry, down into Missoula. Uh, there was just a tremendous amount of hospitality and, and such an experience that I just, I just will never, ever forget about. So I thought it was pretty wild. Um, but for now, what I want to, uh, kind of talk about is I took a break, man. I went on vacation. Um, the girls and I, and my niece drove down to, so let's see, I flew back from Spokane on the, what day was that? I don't know, like uh, Father's Day, so the 18th. Um, then the 21st, the girls and I took off and headed down to the Outer Banks. So uh, I've been going to the Outer Banks for probably 13, 14, 15 years, I guess. Um, I know maybe it's 14 because I, I know my ex-wife was pregnant with Fiona. So so 14 years have been heading down there. And um, there might have been two years, three years that we really kind of kind of skipped. Um, just cause of money and stuff like that, you know, a young family and whatnot, but it was pretty awesome, man. We started out in Kitty Hawk years ago. Um, and I just thought it was amazing because, you know, I grew up in the outer, or I grew up in, uh, at the Jersey shore. Um, my parents took us over there. My parents had a house in Sea Isle city for years. Um, and for anybody who's listening that doesn't understand what I'm talking about, we call it the shore. We don't call it the beach. Uh, when you're going to the shore, you're not going up, you're not going over, you're going down the. Uh, it's just one of those kind of Philly things that we do. But uh, I grew up at the beach. You know, it was one of those things. My parents would take us down. And, and even as a kid, my my aunt uh, had, a, had a house down in Ocean City across from uh, Princess Grace, uh, across from her house. Uh, and then from there, I you know, as, as friends, you know, we used to get beach houses and stuff. So I grew up at the Jersey Shore. It was a big part of my life. But I got to the point that I got sick and tired of it. You know, like all the people that I'm seeing at the beach are the same people that I'm seeing back home. Um, it's not really a vacation for me. Not that I want to get away from everybody I know, but I like to get the hell away every now and then. Um, through the years, we've kind of, uh, you know, we've had friends go down with us. My good buddy Jeff came down one year with his kids. Uh, you know, another friend of mine, Izzy, she came down with her kids. Like my sister goes down and we have friends that go down with us. And so it's just kind of a huge deal, you know. And people are always like, and I, my world is, look, if you're willing to take that seven or eight hour drive, could be 10 as well, maybe 12, then more power to you as you hear me yawn. Because right now I'm in Denver, Colorado, and I just got back from vacation and I'm right back to work. So, um, 
But, uh, you know, I mean, if you're willing to make that drive down there, it, it's totally worth it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, say this to get you people to come down with me because I don't want you down there all the time. Stop by and say hi and have a beer uh, at Oceana's. That's where I was the other night. Um, but, uh, no, just, you know, the Jersey Shore is, like, everywhere I look, it's the same group of people. It's the same people that I see at home. And I see the same pictures over and over again. And this day and age, you know, with social media, how are we – we're seeing what everybody's doing anyway. We're, we're, we're not living at that moment. We're, we're watching and living vicariously through what other people are posting or showing off or whatever it is, you know. Uh, and hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a culprit of that as well. I share a tremendous amount. Man, I share pictures of my feet walking through the airport. But you know why I do it? I do it because uh, people say, oh, my God, you're in Denver. Oh, that's awesome. Or, hey, great shoes. Look, I buy shoes. I like shoes, man. I like a nice pair of shoes. So. I'm going to show them off. Uh, Same thing goes with socks, man. If you are out there in this world and you wear boring socks, do me a favor. Don't call me to go out. Socks, you know, you can be dressed to the nines. Have a good pair of socks on. Something fun, you know. You're just wearing like white ones, black shoes. Say goodbye to Hollywood. Unless that white sock has a badass print on it. All right? So get out there, get some good socks. That's what I'm saying. Stance, send me socks. Um, Uh... No, but like, you know, you get out there and you see all this stuff and, and, and we're, we're watching everybody live their lives and then they get to the beach and they're, you know, they're, they're posting every single moment of it. So, you know, how many pictures of fireworks did we all really need to see on the 4th of July? And again, my friends, I am a culprit as well. I'm a culprit, you know, but I think that some of the stuff that I share, I'm not saying that it's better than other people because it's not. I mean, at that moment when that person wanted to post you know, a picture of their, uh, you know, child in a new outfit. Hey, more power to them. That's important to them. I, I like what I do and, and and more power to you guys for what you do. But for me, you know, I mean, like when I was out in Montana, I mean, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't visual, I couldn't really verbalize what I was seeing, uh, you know, and I just, it was something that was really pretty awesome to me looking at the hills and the mountains and, you know, you're staring at, at, at these forces of nature that are around you with these rivers that are these, this bright neon green as you're driving up the road. Um, you know, those are things that I like to share because I think they're pretty wild. Um, and I share a lot. So I'm going to slow down a little bit with that. I'm just going to post some good food stuff because I got a bunch of really kind of cool food things coming up in the next couple of months. Um, but some of the stuff that, uh, uh, you know, that I love about that trip down to the Outer Banks is, you know, we have kind of a history of going down there, my girls and I. We've been going down ever since, uh, you know, my ex-wife was was pregnant with with Fiona. So 14, like I said, years ago. And and there's all these cool little spots, you know, along the way that, that if you're just driving down, you don't really catch. Um, but as you start to make that trek a couple of times, you start to look around and see different stuff. There's this great little spot on the left-hand side of the road on 13 in, in uh, Virginia called Matampkin. Um, and you know what it is? It's like a shitty little crab shack that just pumps out some food. I pull in, there's always some people there. It's not like there's a huge line or anything. And I think the thing that I like the most about them are the soft shell crabs because it's just in that June stage, you know, and they're getting a lot of good stuff in. And, you know, but then you order the fried clams and the fried clams are like, you know, they're just crappy out of a box, frozen fried clams. but their fresh stuff is just unbelievable. So we always stop there. We get like, you know, $25, $35, $45 worth of soft shell crabs and sandwiches. And, you know, we just sit outside, put a little, you know, 
uh, squeeze on some tartar sauce, a little bit of fresh lemon and some salt and pepper, and you're ready to rock and roll. Uh, and it's just, you know, you, and, and my girls eat them with lettuce and tomato on them. And, you know, they're just a great little sandwich. And it's a nice little stop after being in the car for a couple hours. So, so as we kind of, uh, like, you know, venture down even further, um, there's a couple of cool little spots. There's a little vegetable stand on the side. I like to grab a bunch of tomatoes and stuff before we get in. Um, and then as you start to get into, like, you know, Hell's Land, which is once you pass that bridge, once you pass that bridge, and I believe it's the Albemarle Sound, Albemarle Sound, um, once you go over that bridge, you're in the Outer Banks, man. Traffic stops, it slows down. But the thing is, is that it's not like that Jersey Shore, uh, you know, people coming from all directions, because there's only one way to get down there. So if you are, if you're lucky enough to get down there and unlucky enough to have to drive in on a Saturday morning, um, then, uh, uh, you know, you'll kind of enjoy it. Uh, that drive-in does kind of suck. I'm not going to lie for a little bit. I've done it in the past 10 hours. Babies in the car, kids screaming and changing diapers and vomiting and wives getting angry and traffic. And it's just like, you know, you want to you kind of you want to kind of uh, smack yourself in the face while you're in the middle of it to see if it's real. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's just a neat drive down and you cross over that sound and that bridge and you're in the Outer Banks. And the funny part is it's, they're not huge islands. Um, they're just really nice kind of thin islands. And the thing that I like the most about them is one, it's a brand new group of people. I love Southerners. I love spending time down in the South. I love getting down there and playing and seeing friends and doing all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's kind of cool for me to get down there and just kind of play because I uh, look, I'm a hick at heart. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a good old fashioned American boy. I, uh, I'm a hick at heart. Um, I like a truck. I like a Jeep. I like to, you know, go, go four wheeling and mudding and drink beer and, and have some fun um, uh, and work my ass off at the same time because that's the American way, isn't it? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Uh, and, you know, light fireworks and light shit on fire. Well, guess what? They do it well down there. And uh, I was going through, uh, as you drive up that one road uh, that cuts up, it goes past the hospital, goes past all the touristy stuff. And then I, for the first time ever, decided to stay further down this time down uh on hatteras island um just a bit north of uh hatteras uh uh i can't even think lighthouse jeez that's because i'm looking out the window right now in denver and the sun's just kind of changing and the and the rocky mountains are all behind it it's just this beautiful glow green glow it's kind of cool so um and then you make that left and you start hopping down south 12 and the towns are just tiny and tiny, tiny. You know, you go through a Rodanthe, you're in Avon, you're in Buxton. Um, and then the, this year we actually went into Ocracoke, uh, which is over the ferry, which is a really kind of cool experience. Suggestion, get on the ferry early. Do not try to get on the 1201 ferry and show up at 1201 and a half uh, because you will not get on the ferry until 205. Yes, sat there for two hours. We didn't know what to do once we got over on the towards the ferry. So I'm like, all right, everybody, you may as well get out of the car, you know, and and go because this was one ten, I think it was. After we sat in the car, yes, for an hour and you know nine minutes, uh, we uh, we ended up. I was like, all right, everybody, get out of the car, go into the store, go do your stuff because they had put a big announcement over the speaker that said, you know, it's the the, the ferry's taken off at one forty five. So 
we are in line and we're the next line to go. Well, what do you think happens? Everybody gets out of the car. Everybody goes into all the stores. Everybody starts checking shit out. And then I hear the horn. Now, I am watching cars. We have been sitting in line for an hour and a half, an hour and 35, 40 minutes. Okay, just sitting there. I'm watching all the cars behind me go around me. Now, I'm honking the horn. I'm trying to call people. My sister's cell phone's not on. My niece who's with her isn't answering her cell phone. So now I'm like, all right, I, I got to What do you do? You just, you know, you've been sitting there. So I pulled up and I said, I have some other people. And the guy said, don't worry, you have a couple minutes before we get the whole thing loaded. They can run on. So we have to drive on. We're blocking traffic at this point. Cars are going around us honking. It was so bad. So I had to pull onto the ferry without my sister and my niece. I'm like, or my nephew. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm the worst brother ever. So we get on. They come running over. It's a pretty cool ride over. You know, I mean, you're sitting on the water. Uh, you know, every, there's nowhere to go except sit in your cars and talk, you know, so we had a nice little chat and everybody was on the, in the car. It was kind of fun. Then we got into Ocracoke and it's this awesome little island. Uh, very, very tiny. The island itself is really long, but the town itself is super tiny. Uh, a couple of cool shops, some great little surf shops in there, a bunch of fun little restaurants. We found this place called, uh, hold on, I'm going to look it up while, while I'm talking to you. It's a great hot dog place over on the right hand side. Um, as you're driving down 12 further towards the, uh, further towards, uh, the next set of ferries, there's a place called the TJ Outfitters. Um, and they have these, uh, they have great hot dogs. They also do walking tacos. I don't know if you know what a walking taco is, but it's a bag of Fritos with like chili on top of it or meat, cheese, lettuce, and tomato. And that's called a walking taco. Yeah, trust me, I've got a whole plan for a walking taco in the restaurant. Uh, but I had this thing called the Big Black Beard Ski, which is a smoked kibasi, Um, And there was chili on top of it. There was kraut. There's just a bunch of really good shit up top that was just really, that I really liked it. So um, it was kind of cool. Neat space. Really neat place. And uh, super clean. You know, it had 100 score. Um, they did this thing with this pickled red cabbage that was really, really good um, on one of the dogs that I loved. Uh Mine had this nice little housemaid relish and a little kraut. Of course, Emily got the walking taco. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. It's literally like a Frito bag that's cut, and then they uh, they they just pour everything over top of it. So it's called a walking taco. So there you go. If you've never been drunk before, then uh, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So you definitely got to get into a, a, a drunk walking taco. Um it was just kind of cool. So then we were driving back out of Ocracoke and uh, there were seven people in the Jeep and uh, we got pulled over because two of those people were in the back way back. And the cop now realize I've been driving around on the Outer Banks at this point for roughly eight days with kids in the back of the car and, you know, uh, just kids hanging out the whole nine yards between on the beach. And on the roads, they were on the back of the car. It was never even a thought in my mind that there was not a seatbelt back there for them. So I get pulled over by the Ocracoke uh, or Kent County Sheriff who walks up next to me and says, uh, so do you know why I pulled you or I pulled you over because of the two people in the back? And I said, oh, that's that's odd. 
may ask why. And he said, well, they're not dedicated seats or seatbelts. Now, look, he's a cop. He was super cool. You know, I mean, I would never be a dick to a cop anyway. But this is literally a moment where I was sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, how is it that somebody would get pissed off at this guy? Like he just pulls you over because there was a law. He, you ha- It's a law. He's, he's not pulling you over because he doesn't like the color of your car or the color of your skin. He pulled me over because I broke a law. And that's why you get pulled over 95% of the time is you've done something wrong or you're not being safe or, uh, you know, it's not just because the cop wants to talk to you. Trust me, it's the last thing the guy wants to do is just to talk to you. So I immediately said, uh, uh, I said, I'm really sorry. I apologize about that. I said, I have been driving around like that for the last couple of days. So I, I didn't know it was, was an issue. And he said, yeah. Um. So I, I said, I need to reach into my glove box to get my registration and, and my insurance. And he said, don't worry about it. Let me just see your license. And so he took my license. He went back, sat back there for like 10 minutes. He gets out of his car. He starts kind of rummaging around a little bit. Uh, and then he comes up and he said, so here's the situation. I, I cannot allow you to drive uh, the Jeep uh, up, over the, uh, up the road and over the ferry and, and over to your house. So I'm going to need to have you have somebody or can somebody come and pick you up? the other people. And I said, there's, there's absolutely no way. I'm the only people that I know down here. So he was cool. He was really cool about it. He said, well, how about when you get over to Avon? Is there somebody over there that can drive you? And I said, no. And he kind of hemmed and hauled for a second. And he said, look, I can give you the other two of the people in the car, a ride to the uh, ferry. Um, And uh, I, you know, I don't have a problem doing that for you. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do when I get to the other side of the ferry? And he was really cool. He's like, that's Dare County. They have their own uh, police up there. I'm sure that if they feel the need, then they will. It was just super cool. You know, uh, so my my niece or my daughter and my nephew get the cop car with him. And we're driving down the road. And a friend of mine's hat blows off of her head and lands in the middle of the road. The fucking cop pulls over. And we make a U-turn. And we go back and pick up the hat. He pulled over so we could go get the hat. Like, kind of cool. Cop. Kids in the car. We were having fun up front, jamming with the radio. It was kind of funny to watch. So we ended up going up to, uh, uh, hopping back up to the ferry. He, you know, the kids got out of the car, took pictures and all that. And then uh, he came over and he's like, hey, have a great day. You know, take care and uh, just drive safe. Like, but what a nice way to go about it. You know, rather than giving me a ticket or, you know, taking my car and or whatever it is or calling ahead. Like, I just thought it was kind of cool. And it all comes down to. You know, the guy's there to do a job, and, and in reality, he's there to, to, to enforce the law and, and not fucking die. You know, I mean, to think about it. This is our world that we live in. This guy pulled, you know, seven people over in a car. Who, who knows if he's thinking that he's going to get shot when he walks up next to me or that I'm going to run him over. I mean, you know, you never know. Fuck, I couldn't imagine. But isn't it weird that at that exact moment that I thought about all of that at one exact time? Like, this poor guy... He's, he's worried, you know, I mean, and why would I give him shit anyway? So, so anyway, that's that, uh, t- today's going to be kind of a weird show with some of the stuff that I'm going to do. Um, but, uh, I definitely wanted to, uh, thank one of our sponsors. Okay. I've got to hop into a real quick sponsorship thing here. They help to pay the bills. It's one of the things that we, uh, we do. So, um, we have to thank them. So we want to have a, a quick shout out. I want you guys to run over to nogginware.com. Head over to Nogginware, look for Scott and the boys, uh, type in Chef Bry Duff, and you're going to get a little special thing 
when you try to buy a hat from them. They have super, super cool hats. They have a hat of the month club that they do. They have a limited series club. They also have my Duff hats over there with the knives that are crossing. It says Duff and the Bill um, are on the, uh, the peak of it. It's a pretty awesome hat. It's one of the ones that I put into all the restaurants that I get involved in and all the kitchen staff. They all get these hats, so it's kind of cool. Um, so head over to nogginware.com, check the boys out, tell them I said hi. And uh, I've been traveling a lot, and I had some vacation time at the same time that I wanted to take. So I started to uh, I started to just kind of read all these crazy articles that are going on about food and all that stuff. And uh, it, it's so amazing to me what people find interesting and and what they start to bitch about when it comes to food and stuff like that. And it's so funny. There's an article that was written by Delish. Um, and the author is Rihanna O'Neill Belomo. And it said, people are pissed about this man's Chipotle hack. Uh, it's pretty damn re- ridiculous. And what it is, it's a guy goes into Chipotle and he orders uh, whatever it is, his three burritos. But he wants every single ingredient on the side. So that he can build his own burrito at his house. So think about it. You're standing behind the line of Chipotle and you've got three and a half minutes, whatever, really, tops to make that burrito. If you're lucky, you've got three and a half minutes. You've got 400 people standing in line. And this guy goes in and he, we're going to break this down to two different kind of, kind of levels here. He goes in, he orders this, he orders everything on the side. So now they have to put everything into the little two-ounce ramekins where I think they use one and a half ounce ramekins uh, with lids. And then they put everything separately. So it's the meat, it's the whole nine yards. So people were saying how wasteful it is. But as a restaurateur, a restaurateur, you'd think about it. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. You know, this guy's taking probably five minutes. So you're already at that, you know, a minute and a half over what, what their standard is. Um, of three and a half. So he's kind of holding up the line. So now as a guest though, as a guest, it's kind of fucking brilliant if you think about it. Cause if you ever go to Chipotle, I mean, do you, do you ever bring it home? I mean, first off, I don't bring it home. Um, my daughter loves a burrito from Chipotle. I I've been there. I don't ever bring it home. I usually eat what I have there. I don't even get the burrito. I get the lettuce and all the other stuff. I like the juices. I actually make a vinaigrette out of the juice. I take some of the olive oil that they have, and I mix it with some of the juice that they put at the bottom, and I make a really nice, call it, I call it a meat vinaigrette from my chicken and my carnitas and everything. So, um, But if you think about it, it's kind of brilliant. You know, it's just it, he brings everything home, and then he gets to build everything there. It's fresh. His burrito's not soggy. His lettuce isn't soggy, but it's done well. So what do you guys think about that? I, I guess I'm asking a question and you guys know me on Instagram and Twitter. Go ahead and feel free to send me responses on it. But uh, it started, it goes like this though. It all started this weekend when Twitter user Josh Williams posted and his name is J at JW. This motherfucker's been on Twitter for so long. His, his handle is at JW. Dude, I got to follow you. Hold on. I got to follow this guy. I don't know why I didn't do it before. Okay. So. He said uh, 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 about his favorite way to post or his order at Chipotle by asking for all the ingredients to be scooped into plastic cups so he can put his put together his burrito and tacos at home. Am I weird or brilliant? He asked. That was his tweet to the world. Uh, and then it goes on. Then he said, 
Some guy goes, some, some guy named at Michael Sack, M-I-K-E-L-S-A-A-C. Everybody go say hi to him and, and type in uh, Duffified Live and Duffified hashtag, and we'll, we'll laugh about that. Um, he wrote, dude, what the fuck? And then Josh Williams said, yeah, I even shook a bunch of that really good smoky flavor Tabasco sauce into a container for the road. So he's like now taunting uh, everybody. And then the responses are coming through. This is literally my worst nightmare. Please don't ever come to my store. Somebody, some woman wrote nothing. Oh, so much waste. So tell me what you think about this with this guy. Well, how would you handle that? Is he brilliant? Is he not? What is his kind of world with it? So reach back out. Um, you guys know my handle. It's at Chef Bryduff on Twitter and Instagram. You can send me messages on Facebook as well, which is Chef Brian Duffy. So check that stuff out too. Okay, so now let's go into the next one. Let's go into what the next thing that uh, that I was reading about. So um, this is a pretty state for straightforward one, kind of odd, really. Even the best chefs aren't always hygienic, a study suggests. A new survey found that chefs in the UK are taking some surprising risks with your food. Um, you know, when you pay for a pretty poor, a pretty penny for a pork tenderloin, you expect it to be more succulent, morsel of meat, blah, 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 come a food safe environment, blah, blah, blah. The University of Liverpool researchers surveyed more than 200 UK chefs, asking them a series of questions to determine that bad behaviors, the bad behaviors that most commonly happen in their kitchens. And what they found might make you pause before heading into a pub. A whopping one third of chefs admitted that they'd serve meat on the turn, meaning meat that is visibly losing its fresh red coloring and turning it gray or brown. The kind of meat you'd never put in your grocery cart um, in the store is what it says. Um, 16% of the chefs have surveyed that they've served barbecue chicken they weren't 100% sure was fully cooked. So, And then oddly enough, the journalist, being the journalist who has to get the wow factor into here, says, in other words, the chicken could have still contained some sickness-causing salmonella. 7% said they don't wash their hands after handling raw meat or fish which can also contain salmonella, which we all know is pretty fucking disgusting. Okay. And I get that. And cross-contamination is not something that we need to go into, but for the author to put in here, some still contain some sickness causing salmonella. I'm surprised it wasn't bolded when she wrote it. Um, uh, and then 7% they don't wash their hands. I, I you know what? I, I'm really sorry, but uh, this has got to be totally anonymous for, for chefs to, to admit that because I'll tell you what, like I wash my hands in a kitchen, like, shit, man, probably 30, 40, 50 times a day. Like it's never ending. My hands are like prunes by the time I get home. Sometimes I wash my hands so much. I mean, dude, I'll tell you what, I'm in the bathroom. If I have to, if I go to the bathroom, I wash my hands. I'm not kidding you. Probably for a good 90 seconds. I'm really washing my hands. If, if at the 95th or the, the 85th second, somebody else walks out of the bathroom in the restaurant and they see me washing my hands, I will probably wash my hands for another 30 to 60 seconds after that. You know, there's just something about a chef knowing that he just went to the bathroom and you're, and he's now washing his hands. Like, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but yeah, how crazy is that? So um, then it says one third of chefs copped to returning to work just 48 hours after having er diarrhea. Well, Look, okay, and then it says, beyond the obvious issue, serving undercooked barbecue chicken has noted to cause a diarrheal disease called uh, Campylobacter. While a chef suffering from diarrhea and then handling your food can lead to a poisoning outbreak. Okay, so if, if I'm all for being sick and not going to work, going into work while you're sick and getting sent home, 
we know the industry. We understand it. I get it. People go to work when they're sick. And if you've got diarrhea, it's a, it's pretty much a horrible existence for you in a kitchen. You're in and out of the bathroom a lot of times. If you're lucky, you have a bathroom in your kitchen. But most places don't. So you see that chef kind of running back and forth. But the other part of it is after you go to the bathroom, if you're not washing your fucking hands, you're a dirtball and you don't deserve to be in this industry. Like, look, I understand you're sick. I understand you have diarrhea. But if you're going to shit on your hand and then serve food, we got a problem. we got a big problem. So do I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. So make sure you wash your hands if you have diarrhea and you work in a kitchen. One, you're not supposed to go to work. HR, I get that. Sanitary, I get that. This is an industry that we work in. And we all know. I mean, look, I'm sick right now. I've got a little bit of a nose cold, a head cold. Um, but I got to work tomorrow. You know, I'm going to take care of myself tonight, but I got to work tomorrow. Uh, and I don't have diarrhea. Uh, now, you may be thinking the chefs are the best establishments, you know, the kind you paid for the aforementioned pretty penny to eat at would never engage in such risky behaviors, but you would be wrong. In fact, the researchers found that chefs who were in, in award-winning kitchens were more likely to admit that they returned to work after being sick to their stomachs. Yeah, we're chefs. We, we do. We push through it. Uh, chefs who don't wash their hands regularly are more likely to work in upmarket restaurants. Totally disagree with that. I think it's false. So who wrote this article? Jillian Kramer. Jillian Kramer, uh, I'd love to know your research on a lot of this stuff. Um, chef's not washing their hands. Baby, I got I to gotta, I gotta go against you on that one. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. So, uh, so that was kind of another article that I read that I thought was a little bit crazy. Um, going in a little bit further, I had a really kind of cool one, uh, which are the top 10 restaurant chains in America. Okay. So the top 10 restaurant chains in America. Now, you guys already know what they are. By the way, don't forget, if you have questions or, or I'm sure you're going to give me shit about the last article about some of the things that I said. So don't forget, send me a message. Don't forget to tag Duffified Live in it too. That way I can follow it. Um, where have you been eating? NRN, which is the nation's restaurant news, has released a list of the top 100 chains for 2017 based on data. The rankings are based on sales in the U.S. So you already know kind of where I'm going to go with this. Okay. Uh, they also report the fastest growing chains, which includes newcomers and old favorites. The number one spot went to a place called Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. Sales grew nearly 25% in the past year. Raising Cane still has a long way to go. To, to uh, It was ranked number 77. Some major chains also made the fastest growing list, Chick-fil-A, uh, which is crazy to me that, that Chick-fil-A is up there. Do you know that I've Actually, I've had Chick-fil-A one time. I've had Chick-fil-A one time. Uh, took the number five spot in regards to growth with a 16.9%. In a letter accompanying the findings, editor-in-chief uh, notes that the showing growth for legacies like Chick-fil-A and Panda Express. Panda Express is still growing? Oh, my God. Significant, showing that other chains uh, can adjust to consumer demands, or that says even older uh, chains. So here's the list. I'm going to read it out to you. And it's kind of disturbing. It's disturbing to know that these are the top 10 restaurant chains that are in America. It starts with number one, McDonald's. Number two, Starbucks. Number three, Subway. Number four, Taco Bell. Number five, Burger King. Number six, Wendy's. Number seven, Junk, Dunkin' Donuts. Number eight, Chick-fil-A. Number nine, Pizza Hut. Number 10, Domino's. One, I thought fucking Pizza Hut closed. 
Okay, I haven't seen a Pizza Hut in forever, so that's got to be bullshit. But I guess if you break it down because it's in a volume setting in the restaurant chain, and because of the fact that they're fast casual, they're super, super populated. Think about Starbucks. I still can't believe Starbucks is only number two, or is number two, and McDonald's is number one. So, but think about it in that respect. If you've got if you've got forty seven thousand restaurants, and your average check is six dollars compared to if you have three hundred restaurants and your average check is twenty two. You know, I guess it makes more sense. It's still kind of disturbing that there are one, two, three, four, five, six fast food restaurants on the top 10 list. One of them is a Starbucks. One's a hoagie shop. Um, one's a donut place. The other one's pizza. That's crazy. Two pizzas. Huh. Okay. Uh, this was another thing that I was reading that I thought was kind of cool. Um, kitchen staples that are going to make your meals so much better. Okay. One. Uh, they're saying, uh, tahini. So this comes from an article in the blog that was written by, it says the tasting table. It says by tasting table. So, uh, one is tahini. Uh, tahini is a, a sesame paste. It's ground up. It's added in, um, to hummus and stuff like that. It's a great, I love tahini. It's a really, really nice little thing. Um, it's super awesome to like put on bread, put on sandwiches and stuff like that. Add it in for salad dressings and everything else. There's really no allergens to it, so it's kind of cool to work with. Um, but uh, it, it's it's kind of neat to play with. So if you get a chance, get some tahini and think about different applications for it. You know, add some tahini into some mayonnaise, and it makes a really nice kind of nutty flavor. Um, add that in with some chopped walnuts or a little bit of chopped almonds, especially something. Even if you want, I'm sorry, something smoked, that would be really kind of cool. So um, gochujang uh, is a Korean hot sauce. Uh, which is pretty cool saying use it in place of Sriracha. Yeah. We said it is what they said. Um, it's kind of neat, uh, to play with. It has, um, it got a really nice kind of, uh, like tanginess to it. Um, it's pretty pungent in, in, in flavor and smell as well, but it's got a really nice deep, deep flavor. Um, it's got a little bit of heat to it. So, um, anchovy paste, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I do love it in dressings. Um, I like adding it into, um, like a pasta dish or something like that to kind of pull the flavors out a little bit more. Um, it's pretty tasty. Um, this even says uh, to add onto a roasted chicken. So a little goes a long way. Um, it's, it is super con- uh, concentrated and salty, so be careful. Uh, matcha. Uh, it's more than just the superfood of the moment. Uh, it has a great potential to shake up your dinner plans too. Um, a lot of things that you hear about with matcha is going into um, uh, as almost as a binder, if you will, in like cookies and stuff like that. Um, they're saying they put in lattes and whatever. Um, it's a very, very earthy flavor to it. Um, it's kind of neat. I love adding it into, um, like, if you want to get, I sometimes get a little bit of a dry age flavor out of some stuff when I add that in, if I do it with, like, a ground beef or something. So, uh, Sam sauce. Uh, if you haven't tried uh, Momofuku's Sam sauce, you're in for a treat. It's made of miso, sake, soy uh, sauce, and rice vinegar. Um, it's subtler than gochuang, and you can uh, uh, go ahead and use a lot of it. So they're saying to do that. That's the Sam sauce. Zatar, which I love Zatar. It's a great flavor. Um, you know, we're starting to see and we're starting to really, not starting, we have been for the last couple of years. I remember talking about this at the uh, the new trends in food that are coming out at Nightclub and Bar a couple of years ago. That uh, with, the, with Zatar, you know, a lot of the flavors that we're having are going into super, super bold, very, very aggressive flavors. 
So, you know, you think about the fact that we've been kind of stuck in this world or really caught in this world of Mexican and Latin flavors, Chinese, and think about where we've come to and, and, and the aggressive movement that we now have for different flavors of things. We're really trying to up our palates and, and expand them even further into something like a Zatar, which is an Israeli spice or Middle Eastern. Um, uh, it's kind of neat. And you know what I love to do? Sprinkle it on the outside of a chicken after you roast it for a little while with a little bit of butter on there. Let it get a really nice crust on the outside. Or pull your skin up, remove it from the, 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 the protein itself, the meat itself, and kind of brush it on the inside of there with some extra virgin olive oil. Makes for an amazing crust and a really nice bite and a crunch when you go down through it. Uh, uh, dashi, uh, Japanese broth. It's made from kombu and bonito flakes. Um, it's a great flavor, and I see a lot of people using it now that it's going into vegetarian dishes, and it's even going into different soups. I had a uh, uh, kind of a chicken noodle play on a soup a couple weeks ago um, with some dashi that was really, really good. Hot honey. God, it's the easiest thing to make. And you know what? When you think about it, you can do varying levels with it. There's varying degrees of, of honey you can get um, from the super light ambers and whatnot all the way up into the deep, dark um, uh, you know, really, really good honeys that are, that are out there. Um, and it's super easy, man. Take some good chilies and, and add them in and, and you heat the temp up a little bit and it extracts the oils from it and it mixes it together or go even further. And what I like to do is make a paste out of a chili and then add your honey into that chili paste and then pull it all together. And it makes for a beautiful, beautiful hot honey. So, um, always talking about salts. I mean, I think that salts are really, really big these days because we're now finding how many other nutrients are available and minerals that are available with a lot of the new salts that are out there. So I say it all the time, you know, if you're using iodized salt, you're missing out on stuff. And also you're adding a chemically enhanced product into your body. Not that we don't do it if you're eating at fucking McDonald's. But I think one of the big things is to really get a look at some of the, the salts that are out there between the Himalayans and the Hawaiians and a lot of the sea salts that are available in the Maldon between the smoked and the regular and uh, I found a black lava salt the other day that was really, really nice. I loved playing with it when I was out in, in Washington. So get out there and play around. And I'll tell you what, honestly, a couple of really cool things to do. Go to Home Goods, go to TJ Maxx, go to Marshalls, go to the little food section. You can find grinders of salt. Don't buy the pre-ground stuff unless you're looking for a super fine, but grind some of your own stuff up. That way it's totally fresh when it comes out. Same thing goes for pepper, guys. Um, Harissa, I'm a huge favor of Harissa with that Moroccan paste. Um, it's kind of neat in the way that it, it, it plays out. It's got a really nice flavor to it. Um, very, very earthy. A really a lot of undertones between chilies and caraway and coriander um, and with garlic and everything that mixes into it. It's really nice, a little citrusy as well. Uh, it's it's kind of fun to play with. It's a really nice kind of addition to a salad. Just the oil alone makes a great flavor. So those are kind of uh, some of the things that, that I was checking out this week and um, and some of the stuff. And so I don't know, you know, this show is going to be, uh, like I said, not too super long. Um, it's the 20th show, so I'm really happy about it. Um, but I wanted to kind of dive back into some current events with food and just talk about food a little bit. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I have some pretty cool guests coming up in the next couple of months. Um, we're going to be doing something pretty cool with, uh, guy named JB Frank from, uh, uh, from Warrant, the band. We're going to have a chat with him. Um, I got a super hot model that we're looking to talk to, um, who's been really hard to get on the phone. We're working hard to talk with her. Um, we have another person coming on who's uh, another spiritual kind of coach and life advisor. Um, somebody who, uh, has cancer and has been battling it in a natural way 
She has to do the chemo stuff, but she's really been battling it with a lot of healing and um, a lot of positive energy. And um, listen to my nose. My God, these hotels are killing me. Um, so it's kind of cool to uh, see some of the stuff she does. So I'll definitely bring her on and, and we're going to have a conversation with her and check some of that stuff out. So um, that's what I got on that front. Uh, as far as some of the other stuff, uh, you know, I want to talk to you guys for my last time, you know, my last run here um, about Nogginware. Get over to Nogginware.com. Check these guys out. Find out about their Hat of the Month Club. Um, and if you feel like getting a little bit smart, you are more than welcome to open up every single box. There's a gift in there. It's going to help you make a little bit smart. Uh, as well as uh, Scott feels the same way that I do about shipping is that it blows. It drives me insane when I've got to pay massive amounts of money for shipping for stuff. That's why I have Amazon Prime, man, because I don't need to. Um, but I think that one of the big things uh, with Nogginware is they're an American company. They make great stuff. They're super creative. Um, they do a whole bunch of different series of hats. They have uh, one is a limited edition that they do that's just beautiful. And it's kind of cool. They have some that are, I mean, they're limited edition. They work with artists. Um, Scott and the team over there come up with new hats and new designs. Um, plus, they have some of their old classics that they do. They have the Old Glory, which is just a beautiful hat. It's navy. Uh, it's a lighter navy, like a chambray almost. It's kind of tattered and worn. Got a great big American flag on the front of it. I'm a fan of that one. Uh, my father wears that one all the time. So so get over to the boys at nogginware.com. Tell them that I said hello. We love them as sponsors. Y'all know how much I love to wear a hat. So definitely get over and check those guys out. Um, that's what I have for this week. It is an easy show. I wanted to do some talking, uh, kind of do a little bit of catch up with everybody, give you an idea of what's been going on. Uh, next couple of weeks are going to be fun as well. I'm heading back down to Tampa, going back down to Guantanamo Bay in a couple weeks, uh, taking a little trip up to Maine, going to be doing some camping, got to get into the restaurant. And uh, I have some really cool stuff that I'm going to be playing with for the fall that I really want you guys to check out. Um, I'm working with Chef's Warehouse and getting some new products in that we get to play with. So if you're a chef, check out Chef's Warehouse and tell them that I sent you over there as well. Um, they're not giving me any money or any of that stuff, but I just love the product that they produce. So definitely get out and check it out. Uh, thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate it. I wish you the best of luck during this week. And I can't wait for you guys to hear what happens next week. Adios. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Radio Influence brings you the absolute best in digital audio broadcasting. We've got something for everyone. Sports personalities like the fabulous sports babe, Rich Herrera, and former Major League Baseball manager Kevin Kennedy as they take you inside the dugout. We'll take you inside the world of MMA with the MMA Report with Jason Floyd, the MMA Insiders, and the Valor Hour with Tim Loy and Casey Oxidai. Or you could find yourself sitting ringside with wrestling ring announcer David Penzer. TV law enforcement analyst and former police officer Vincent Hill breaks down this week's biggest crime stories and takes you beyond the badge. Chef Brian Duffy from TV's Bar Rescue shares his crazy life on the road with Duffified Live. And Scott Ledger will always make you think with some dangerous conversation. All of Radio Influence's shows can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 